At 9.03, 17 minutes after the North Tower was struck, United Airlines Flight 175 flew into the South Tower. Immediately, the emergency services were flooded with calls as 700 people were trapped above the impact zone. years ago September 11 2001 and uh, let's just take a moment of silence hopefully you remembered someone um, if you're from the Northeast in the United States of America you probably almost guaranteed knew someone who was affected, knew someone personally or knew someone who was uh, a family member, a friend, a confidant, a business associate who was directly affected by 9-11 and what it did to so many people. Where were you on 9-11? It's one of those things like uh, the Kennedy assassination or... Um, you know, losing the Challenger spaceship, um, all of those type of things. You kind of remember where you were and every detail. I was at a seminar, and I have no idea, like to this day, I don't even know what the seminar was about. And I felt so bad for the guy who was teaching it because he had a room full of people. It was at a hotel. 
and it was blocked for the entire day. And somebody came into these, you know, it was one of those big, uh, I don't even think it was a conference room. It was, it was like in a ballroom. So you could put like a couple hundred people or maybe it was less than that, but he, he had to keep teaching. And pe- somebody came in the room and said, out in the bar area of the hotel, the TV was on and they started do- doing a play-by-play of what was going on with this uh, with this uh, downtown Manhattan, what is happening. And of course, people were just getting up. I, I was out of my seat the entire day, just back and forth, could not believe it could not believe um, what was happening. And it was almost, it was just so surreal that it was almost like a a dream or a nightmare going on that you just couldn't believe this was happening in our country. 2,977 dead, 25,000 injured, and uh, all from a terrorist uh, group, Osama bin Laden. Remember him. And uh, just so tragic what had happened, but I don't want to just let it go by because it's the 19th anniversary, and um, this is certainly not a day to celebrate, but it is a day to remember and to remember the bravery of the people who responded, the first responders, the fire uh, departments of New York City, and all of the people that came to the aid of so many who were just just their whole lives were just destroyed that day. It was just incredible. It's hard to even imagine that it happened. And um, I, I wonder how people are feeling now as far as the victims. And by the victims, I don't mean the ones who perished in that day. I'm talking about the survivors, the families who had to go on. And um, it's, it was very touching to know that a lot of voice recordings were saved from phone calls that people in the towers uh, were making. So we had this experience through live media, through television, through whatever was going on. Social media was not even really, you know, alive back in that day like it is today. Um, so it was mostly newscasts. But that was one experience, people from the outside looking in. But we don't know as much about the people on the inside looking out. The, uh, the terror that it must have been. Uh, to, well, first of all, many of them didn't even know what was happening. Even though, you know, the building shook and it, 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 sh- it shook really bad when it got hit by the planes. But they re- really didn't know, especially the first tower, what really happened. I mean, all of a sudden, I imagine most communications and a lot of power went out and the building shook and you didn't really know until the flames really got going. But then you were either, you know, down below and trying to get out or you were above where the plane hit and you were completely cut off. So the most terrifying thing is some of those videos that are out that just captured, you know, close footage of just people jumping. It just terrible and the sounds of bodies hitting the pavement because if you're going to get burned to death um, the obvious choice is you you can't take it the the physical body cannot take that that level of suffering so the only thing left to do is is just to to jump you can't do anything else I didn't really want to play any of the phone calls because they're on YouTube because a lot of the families, 
uh, have come out subsequent after years and years of, um, of grief and said that they felt they were okay now at this point to let the phone calls come out and be made public. So you can hear those on YouTube, but I'm not going to play them here. It's just, I don't know, it's just too upsetting. It's just really, it's so personal. I mean, this one family, uh, I can't remember if it was their son or their daughter, but the, the father said, I have a CD of the phone call here and he it's on his desk and it's like in like all this like this wooden um sort of like a display case i guess but um he said i, I take comfort in the fact that it's there if i ever want to listen to it but i never listen to it and some other family members mothers fathers sisters brothers will say they listen often to the recording of what their loved one expressed over the phone and thank God that the phone technology was available at that time, especially the other, the one plane that was out that crashed in Pennsylvania. That would be Flight 93 United, and uh, the passengers so bravely um, took over the control of that plane. Uh, they fought like crazy to get into the cockpit, and uh, I guess there must have been a huge fight and struggle for control of the plane, and it I think it basically nosedived. And that was headed for, I believe it was either the White House or the Capitol building. Um, I, I don't, you know, I'm not sure which one, but one of those, I think it was headed for the White House. But uh, thank God that never um, arrived at its intended destination, thanks to the bravery of uh, those people on that plane. And they got phone calls off, and let people know what was going on. So um, the people that um, were, were called told the passengers what was going on in New York City and what had happened in, and, um, with the Twin Towers. So it was easy for the passengers to figure things out and say, this is headed for the same thing. We're heading probably towards Washington instead of California. So must have been incredible for them to muster up the courage, um, the calm resolve to actually take action and do what they did. Uh, might have been a very different country um, had that happened, had it struck uh, the White House. And going back to listening to the phone calls again, it just reminds me once again, the value of family cannot be overstated. And it is very much underappreciated, I think, until it's gone. And a lot of us don't really take the time out to acknowledge and appreciate and revere the fabulous blessing of family. It's a tragic thing. And you see it, you know, in a situation like this when I'm reviewing these videos and looking at the, the bereaved who have lost someone so precious in their life, it should be a call to action for all of us who have family in our life, but just don't take the time or we get too busy or we don't, we don't really feel it's that important until it's not there anymore. And then it becomes immeasurably more important. I remember uh, about a year or two after 
the 9-11 tragedy, I had met this uh, wonderful woman, and uh, we dated for a short time. Then we, we sort of became friends after that. The dating really didn't, you know, didn't go last very long. But she had two young sons who I think one was five and one was seven. So now these two boys all of a sudden find themselves without a father who's gone. And the older son, I remember him having these really vicious anger attacks. And he would be, he would just be mad at the world. And he was just angry because his father was gone. So we have no idea how to calibrate, you know, the long reaching effects of what that did to families. Um, just torn apart and fragmented, had to rebuild. Uh, people had to find other ways to reclaim the life that they once had as far as having a family. Um, so, you know, when I look at this, I say, once again, you can't put a price tag on having your loved ones close to you. So I want to talk a little bit about the... Um, the display that's done every year with uh, the blue lights. Have you guys heard about this? It is very cool. It is called the 9-11 Tribute Light. And this year, it's taking a different <laughs> shape. And, and, and you know why. Of course we know why. The dreaded uh, COVID strikes again. So I want to just um, give you guys a little heads up about this thing. It's really a beautiful thing. Um, I've never gone there uh, personally, but I've seen it from 30 miles away in New Jersey uh, when I lived up there. But uh, the twin columns will not be projected into the sky this year because of coronavirus concerns for the workers who put it together. But other buildings may shine blue. The two ghostly columns of light rise each September 11th from the area near Ground Zero reaching upward and replicating the shape of the twin towers that were destroyed by the Al-Qaeda attacks of 2001. Called the Tribute in Light, the installation has become one of the signature elements of the annual commemorations at the former World Trade Center site, visible for a radius of up to 60 miles and extending four miles into the sky. I know many of you have seen this. It is really something to see, um, but we won't see it this year, sadly. Over the years, the tribute has offered an opportunity for silent contemplation, with people seeing its paired beams as reminders of physical structures, emblems of lost lives, or even as a candescent bridge linking the heavens with a site of temporal tragedy. But today, the shafts of light will not be beamed into the sky. The installation has been canceled because of concerns over the coronavirus pandemic, one of two significant changes instituted this year by the National September 11th Memorial and Museum, which oversees the yearly ceremonies. Instead of the beams, the Memorial and Museum is planning to honor the anniversary with an alternative that will involve buildings across the city illuminating their spires and facades with blue lights. The world's beloved twin beams of light regrettably will not shine over Lower Manhattan as part of this year's tributes. Michael Frazier, a memorial and museum spokesman, said in a statement adding that the decision was made after concluding the health risks during the pandemic were far too great for the large crew. 
um, get a load of this crew. I, I had no idea it was this extravagant, but almost 40 stagehands and electricians work in proximity for more than a week as part of producing the tribute, which consists of 88 specially made space cannon lights, each with a 7,000-watt xenon-compressed gas bulb, said Scott Campbell of Michael Ahern Production Services, which produces the event. The lights powered by temporary generators are set out on the roof of a garage on Greenwich Street in two squares of about 50 by 50 feet. Traditionally, the lights have been turned on around dusk and shine through the night, through the night until the dawn of September 12th. Another major change came in July when the memorial and the museum said that this year's commemoration would not include relatives on stage reading the names of the 2,983 victims of the September 11 attacks and the 1993 bombing of the World Trade Center, attributing that decision to a desire to follow social distancing guidance. Instead, the memorial said recorded readings of names made by family members would be broadcast. Family members will still gather at the outdoor memorial this year, keeping their distance from one another as they take part in an hours-long ceremony that includes the recitation of the names and six moments of silence, acknowledging when each of the World Trade Center towers was struck and fell, and the times of corresponding to the attack on the Pentagon and the crash of United Airlines night, uh, Flight 93. The beams were first projected on March 11, 2002, six months after the attack, and only three months after fires at the Trade Center were officially declared extinguished. Five artists and architects, John Bennett, Gustavo Benovardi, Richard Nash Gould, Julian Laverdiri, and Paul Mioda, came up with the same rough idea at about the same time. The Municipal Art Society and Creative Time helped combine their visions and bring the project to fruition, working with the lighting designer, Paul Marantz. The memorial and museum began managing the tribute in 2012. Officials with the organization said they planned for the tribute to return in 2021 for the 20th anniversary commemoration. This year's socially distanced version of a tribute, the memorial and museum said, will include one World Trade Center and other buildings. That illumination will also start at dusk on September 11th and last until the following dawn. So there is a, a celebration or a commemoration, I should say, um, celebrating the memories of the people that are not here, but commemorating um, the legacy that has left behind. We rebuilt it with Freedom Tower. Um, they're still putting the lights up, I'm sure, next year which will be the 20th anniversary, um, I'm sure the, uh, the lights will be back as they were originally designed. So hopefully that's the case next year. We're tired of the COVID thing, and we're tired of um, these, uh, these milestones that are just tragic uh, in our circle of life. So uh, anyway, I wanted to just, um, you know, keeping this short today, I wanted to just... Um, you know, suggest that you put some thought into, you know, what I said about family and your own mortality. And please look to the Lord for help throughout your day. If you don't ask, you don't get. 
You don't have because you don't ask. That's what he counsels us to do. Ask him, and he will respond through the Holy Spirit. So that's a wrap for me. I didn't do any intro music, didn't do anything um, that I usually do because this was kind of a a solemn thing. But I do want you to uh, please um, support the DharmicEvolution.com and also the Dharmic Evolution uh, Facebook community page. And send this show to someone who really likes it. And you can sign up at dharmicevolution.com and the show will come right to your phone. And I think I'm going to play something uh, special today. It's called Speak to Me, which was on the uh, Gratitude album. Because I'm grateful for all of you who show up on the Dharmic Evolution each week when we produce these shows. So that's a wrap for me. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor. It's so... uh, Until the next time, when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials, I'll see you from the stage, but right now, it's time for Speak to Me.
Energy. 